Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah! Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. With Gays Against Guns, I'm Sean Stefanik, and this week, I'll be talking with Diane Rinaldi of Moms Demand Action about the failures of the ATF. WTF! Also, I'll be giving a report back about the Soul Box Project from Washington, D.C., and I'll be sharing a few words from two other participants involved. But first, our in memoriam. In memory of Helena Hutchins, cinematographer. Helena Hutchins was born in 1979 in the USSR and grew up in the Russian city of Murmansk, where her father served in the Soviet Navy. She called herself an army brat. It is said that she first became interested in film while living on the military base, and she graduated from the National University of Kiev with a degree in international journalism. She would work on documentary films as an investigative journalist in Eastern Europe, and it was there where she met her husband Matthew, who was American, while in Kiev. They had a son. She moved to Los Angeles, California to focus on filmmaking, taking on roles in production and fashion photography. And while in Los Angeles, she met Bob Primes, a cinematographer, who encouraged her to apply to the American Film Institute Conservatory, where he was a teacher. She was accepted and began studying there in 2013 for a two-year master's program, which she graduated from in 2015. In 2018, she was one of the first eight female cinematographers participating in the Fox Director of Photography Lab program, which was established to provide greater opportunities for women cinematographers. In 2019, she was named one of the ten up-and-coming directors of photography and who were making their work by the magazine American Cinematography. She was director of photography on Adam Egypt Mortimer's 2020 film Arch Enemy. She is also credited for her work on the films Darlin' 2019, Blind Fire in 2020, and The Mad Hatter in 2021. On October 21, 2021, Hutchins was working in Santa Fe, New Mexico as director of photography on the set of the western film Rust when actor Alec Baldwin discharged a gun used as a prop, mortally wounding her and injuring director Joel Sousa. She died later that day at the University of New Mexico Hospital of her wounds in Albuquerque, aged 42. Her husband wrote of her, Helena inspired us all with her passion and vision and her legacy, which is too meaningful to encapsulate in words. This is truly a senseless tragedy. We honor you today, Helena Hutchins. A week and a half ago, seven fabulous gaggers, including myself, participated in the Soul Box Project. It was a very rewarding experience. We tabled and connected with other gun violence prevention organizations. The mall, next to the Washington Monument, was powerfully decorated with countless bags full of 250 small boxes the size of a fist all decorated to the detail to represent both lives lost to guns and those who were injured. There was also a great wall decorated with these boxes as well, 
and the countless, seemingly unending amount of these boxes that were decorated there, whether in the bags or on the wall, was overpowering. And each organization had a different way or reason for becoming involved. Here are two of their stories. Hello, ladies. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sean Stefanik and Sarah Germain Lilly. We are here with Radio Gag at the Soul Box Project here in Washington, D.C., talking to... Ronald Kincaid from Bellingham, Washington. Good, good morning, Ron. It's nice to meet you. Yeah, absolutely. So, Sarah, take it away. Yeah, well, you know, we just got our booth set up, and you can hear people talking. People are passing by. And so I made Ronnie's, Ronnie's acquaintance, and uh, sure enough, she's from my hometown, my family roots, of Bellingham. So, Bellingham, Washington. So, Ronnie, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the Soul Box Project. Well, I am uh, friends with the, the friends of Leslie Lee. Leslie Lee and, and this group all went to grade school and high school together. Um, and so, when she first started it and said, we're going to fold these boxes and learn how to fold the boxes. Well, folding the boxes is kind of hypnotic. I mean, you just do it. It feels, it feels good. You feel like you're doing something. And so that's how I started, and that was probably two years ago. And then it was so exciting. Washington, D.C. is a big, exciting thing for us. So, And then it's going to be here. You mentioned that your first time coming to D.C. was in 1965. Why don't you tell us just a teeny bit about that? (laughs) Well... 1965, yeah, I was. I just finished my junior year in college and I was on my way to Europe and I stopped here and I was wildly impressed then. But it's, it's changed a little, but not much. I mean, it's still, and I still just walk along and see, like, the Washington Monument, just in awe. I mean, there it is. <laughs> there it really is, which is really something. It's incredible. It, yeah, and it takes us, I mean, the political situation, everything is so fraught. And that you see those big buildings, and all of a sudden it's 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 bigger, bigger than, and and then same with with this whole event. I mean, having this kind of uh, memorial for those kind of nameless people that are lost is really um, emotional and touching. And I'm very glad to see you here. I'm very glad to be here. Well, thanks so much for talking with us today. I'm glad to. Thank you. Super. Up next with Radio Gag, reporting to you from the Soul Box Project here in Washington, D.C. I am Sean Stefanik here talking to... Audra Grace. And what organization are you here with, Audra? North Decatur Presbyterian Church. That's wonderful. How did you get involved with the Soul Box Project? So uh, North Decatur Presbyterian Church started um, a ribbon project back in 2014 in response to a law that expanded... Um, where guns could be carried and that included churches and so we we started posting these ribbons with people's names on them um, of everybody who died of gun violence in the state of Georgia and um, we unfortunately got to a point where we had to retire the ribbon project because of how massive (laughs) it was to maintain Um, but we continued to read out the names uh, of the people who died in the state of Georgia um, once a month, every third Sunday, and uh, one of our members connected with the Salt Box Project in order to uh, help us continue to have a visual um, 
of, of, of what this is uh, to keep it present. Um, that's kind of how we, we started and have just continued to evolve. Um, we really started to make more boxes and things um, when, uh, when COVID hit, and, and it was sort of a way to have uh, folks from our community continue to engage and, and just lift up and recognize all of these people who should be still with us um, and many more who are just injured and don't get talked about. That is a very, uh, very uh, important aspect to talk about the people who don't get talked about, who are those who are merely injured but not killed, because it's still just as important, and it is the same thing. Just one more quick question. Uh, have you seen a very positive response from any of this? Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that it draws attention um, in a way that, that moves people to, to the to the persons behind this. Um, it's, it's not about taking away gun rights. It really is about recognizing how many people we're losing and how traumatic that is for our communities. It absolutely is. Thank you so much, Audra. You can find out more about Soulbox Project by going to their official website, soulboxproject.org, and on any major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, with Radio Gag. I'm Sean Stefanik, and we have with us today Diane Ronaldo of Moms Demand Action joining us today. Thank you so much, Diane. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Thank you for inviting us. Absolutely. Uh, so, Diane, you do have some knowledge about our current uh, situation concerning the ATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives. And um, what were some of the ways, Diane, that you had been, you and Moms Demand Action have uh, come up with to try to straighten out some of these wrinkles in the system? Uh, thanks for the question, Sean. We're a very research and evidence-based uh, organization. So we don't, we don't make decisions or recommendations based on feelings, although uh, lots of people on the other side of the issue try to claim that we do. Well, certainly any government organization um, that's really part of a presidential administration needs to have an alignment with the current president. And so what has happened is about 15 years ago, the gun lobbyists got hold of, uh, you know, their politicians and certainly one of their influences money. Um, and they changed the rules so that the director of the ATF must be approved by the Senate as opposed to just being appointed by the president. So then in the 15 years since then, they have not approved more than one permanent director. Um, that makes a really big difference because an acting director just does not have the, um, the, the influence, they don't have the time to really align themselves with the administration's strategy and then to act on that strategy. When you have someone appointed by the president, approved um, now, of course, approved by the Senate, and really in there on a full-time basis, that's just a much more effective director. So the NRA lobbyists got what they wanted. By making it a Senate-approved position, they've basically blocked every, um, every um, nominated director but one. The other thing is money. I mean, it's one of the most undersourced uh, agencies in the federal administration. It's just really, it's, uh, it doesn't make sense. They are in charge of 
you know, enforcing the country's gun laws and executive orders relating to firearms, but they are basically working with the same resources they had 30, 40, even 50 years ago. Um, so really a, a permanent uh, director and uh, resources would be a great start. I should say so. Uh, it looks like uh, Biden hasn't put a lot of money into the ATF in, uh, since he took office, which, you know, I read that uh, there was only like something like a 5% increase in the budget, and that's still considerably low considered to the, you know, education department and, you know, other, other organizations such as that. It definitely seems very low. Um, I don't, I don't know the administration's justification for such a small increase in the budget. I mean, they have really taken some, some steps forward, uh, this administration, though. Earlier this year in June, uh, the Department of Justice announced the formation of what they call firearms trafficking strike forces. And, you know, these are supposed to go after the tr illegal trafficking of arms in some of the hot spots across the country, which would include into New York City. But part of the enforcement, you know, or how these strike forces would work is coordination uh, between U.S. attorneys and the ATF. And how effective can the ATF be in this if it's under-resourced, underfunded, and doesn't have a permanent director? So, you know, they do seem to continually, the ATF does seem to continually have its hands tied, you know, at least one hand behind its back. Uh, but we are encouraged by, by things like that. You may know that illegal gun trafficking is actually New York City's biggest issue when it comes to gun crime. It certainly is. I mean, you know, we also just had our uh, several states join with New York in the area and a new coalition to share information in the hopes of better tracing of illegal guns. Um, a gun user crime scene often called a crime gun in New York City, crime guns, 90% of them initiate with an out of state purchase. And in a study that Every Town for Gun Safety did nationally, they found that 80, over 80% 80 of crime guns that initiate out of state come from states that don't have a background check law. So states with weaker laws. This isn't you know, rocket science. New York has really good gun safety laws. So it's hard to get hold of guns starting with a purchase in New York state. So they start with purchases out of state. And those are often legal purchases um, in states with lax gun laws. And then they make their way through the iron pipeline and illegally into the hands of people who do harm in New York. Right, like, so what kind of power, I, if you know, what kind of power currently would the ATF have against trafficking guns, you know, going over state lines? Well, this has really been the, the probably the, the most heartbreaking part of the problem uh, or of the impact of them being hamstrung and under-resourced for so very long is that, you know, we have a patchwork of laws across this country. And as I mentioned, New York State has closed the background check loophole that exists at the federal level, but other states haven't. And only a federal organization like the ATF can really help stop that trafficking of illegal guns. And they, there's so many restrictions put on them for actually really directly addressing this, that the problem has gotten far worse and, and not uh, really nothing effective, quite frankly, has been done to stop illegal trafficking. 
do you think that the ATF would be more effective if they say were had more stronger ties to the FBI or the Secret Service? Because they're sort of a standalone organization right now. I mean, I, you know, in terms of folding them in, I know that's been thought of in the past. I don't really know which is the most effective way, whether they should be part of the FBI. They feel, though, strongly that they should remain their own agency and that they'll be more effective that way. But they're not effective right now or not effective enough. I feel for the people doing the work every day. Um, but when you're not allowed to have uh, data and all of your files are on paper, when you have no funding and you don't have a permanent director, you can't do your job as well as we desperately need them to do in this country. So I would be in favor of whatever makes them more effective, whether it's remaining an independent agency or folding them into something like the FBI. Yeah, I know. I know that the uh, our friends at the NRA chuckle, chuckle, not. Uh, they definitely didn't want the agency being folded in with the Secret Service or the FBI because they felt like it wouldn't be they they wouldn't be as easy to obstruct. You know, they wouldn't be as easy to target like that. Yeah, they've really made that the gun lobby has really made the ATF what's it called the bogeyman, the bad guy. Um, yeah. they, they've done horrible things to really castigate people who are trying to prevent more violence and, and illegal sales of firearms in this country. And the gun lobby has really made them the bad guy. I don't know how we fix that, um, but it's certainly not really making any progress right now. And meanwhile, we, we need, have things we need done. There is a proposal that uh, Biden and the DOJ uh, have put forward that would ban or regulate ghost guns as firearms. So currently, ghost guns are not regulated like firearms. Ghost guns, as you may know, are um, they're basically unfinished frames or receivers, parts of guns that can be bought uh, online from unlicensed sellers and with no background check. In New York City, in Queens, since August, there have been four busts by the DA and the NYPD of such large stockpiles of ghost guns or ghost gun parts that they were referred to as arsenals. So the ATF is actually the agency that could redefine those as firearms, and then they'd actually be regulated like firearms, which would require at a minimum a background check uh, before one of them is sold. So, you know, we really, there are encouraging signs. There are, you know, some, there is signs of progress, but these things aren't done until they're written into law and then enforced. And we really see change start to happen. We've got quite an uphill battle, don't we? We, you know, there's more work to be done. Um, I'm a glass half full type of person. Uh, I like to think that, you know, we make progress. In fact, in New York, the legislature passed uh, state ghost gun bans last spring, and we are optimistic that the new governor, Governor Hawker, will sign those into law uh, in the next uh, few months at most. Uh, we do see these, these busts that are happening, and we see uh, California, I believe it is, has declared um, them a, like a crisis, like ghost guns are such a, a big deal in California already. So we did see those two ghost gun bills get passed by our state legislature, and we're really confident those are going to become law in New York very soon. So we do make progress. We do. In that case, it does look like the glass is half full. Absolutely. <laughs> right. But the most effective thing, of course, would be a federal law. 
Um, like we've, I've said repeatedly, we have really good laws here in New York State. And as technology changes, we have to continue to improve our laws. And we do, yet we are plagued by violence from guns that come primarily from states with weaker laws. That's right. And the ATF are the ones that need to get their stuff together. Yes, yes. It's uh, when, when you read some, the history of ATF over the last 15 to 20 years, it is, it is rather shocking that nothing has really been done to, if it needs reform, reform it, but revitalize it, we give it the resources it needs. You know, in the meantime, every couple of years, we break records on the number of guns being sold in this country. Meanwhile, the one agency that's really supposed to be responsible for enforcing the law on firearms uh, is, is really put uh, behind the eight ball and not able to effectively do its job intentionally, intentionally put in that position. Intentionally being the operative word. By there. design. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Diane, for all of that insight. It is very beneficial and fruitful. Before we let you go, is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners about this subject? Yeah, thank you so much again for having me on behalf of Moms Demand Action. Um, you know, we are fighting really hard for a, a new federal background check bill to close the loopholes in the existing federal background check bill. It is one of the most important things that could happen at the federal level. So we would love to see this, this bill passed. Passed the House a while ago, needs to get reintroduced and go to the Senate. Um, we'd love to see the redefinition of ghost guns as the firearms that they are, and a strong federal trafficking law, and of course the reinvigorated ATF to enforce all of these laws and help keep uh, traffic guns off of the streets like, like we see here in New York City. It's not an awful lot, the background check bill, redefining ghost guns and getting a nice permanent director of the ATF. All of these things are achievable. Um, at Moms Man Action, we say it's a movement, not a moment. So people should never give up the fight, never give up hope uh, and just keep on fighting for better gun safety laws and the, the things we need, the tools we need to enforce them. Absolutely, and so we shall. Thank you so much, Diane. Thank you. To find out more about working with us, please go to gaysagainstguns.net or follow us at Gays Against Guns NY on Facebook and Instagram or Gag No Guns on Twitter. Another great way to get involved is by becoming a WBAI buddy. A WBAI buddy is someone who keeps our unique volunteer-run radio show going by giving a small donation every month. Just a modest monthly contribution can really help keep us on air here at WBAI to bring you this live show every week. Just go to WBAI.org or call 212-209-2950 and become a BAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and we will be back next Tuesday and every Tuesday at 2.30 p.m. And don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on the WBAI website or on any major podcast platform. We leave you now with our fabulous political singing quartet. Sing out, Louise! Well, I think it would be nice if we could break your lobby. Cause no, not every lobby knows how to lobby like you. No. And you never think twice before you take our dreams away. Well, we say.